Amen. As children make their way back, um, we're going to be in Matthew and Luke today, uh, for the most part, as we look into the Christmas story. So you can get your places there. That's the two areas where we find the Christmas story. Um, I'll just make a, make a comment this morning, just to kind of let you know something. Uh, you know, Brother Mike came to me this morning, and uh, he... he decided that he was going to go off into an area talking about the kings and you know he felt like oh I should have maybe mentioned that to pastor and uh, but you know when God leads follow what I need to do is follow the Lord and it's amazing you'll find there's a portion that I decided not to go into because of the depths of it which might just so happen to cover so you know the Lord's in these things and uh, praise his name and uh, God stirred his heart like he stirred my heart uh, in these areas and so I just pray that it'll be a blessing to you this morning. I want to start out looking at a a few scriptures in uh, Genesis actually, you don't have to turn there, Genesis 32-30, it says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Exodus 33:11 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And then in Deuteronomy 34:10 it says, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, who the Lord knew face to face. Now, God can know us face to face. But for us to see God face to face is a whole another thing. He told Moses in Exodus 33, 20, And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand While I pass by, and I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Now Moses just got a glimpse of God's hinder parts. And the result in Exodus, just shortly after this, in Exodus 34, 29, it came to pass when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. Now, another interesting thing said about Moses, which I kind of attribute, uh, well, this is really, I don't see anywhere this is attributed to any other man in the Bible, that I kind of link this to the instant of God's glory being upon the face of Moses. Deuteronomy 34, 7 says that Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes was not dim, nor his natural force abated. That's an amazing statement at 120 years old. God shone on him. I just believe that did some amazing things. 
Now, Brother Mike took some time to try and explain the vision John had in the book of Revelation when he saw Jesus in a glorified manner. It was a frightful sight, and John said, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now, I still believe that this sighting of God was by protection of a vision or of a dream of some sort. You know, dreams feel very real in all the body's senses, doesn't it? And it can affect you psychosomatically. I mean, you can wake up in a sweat and all sorts of things. But if you dream you want a million dollars, good chance that you won't find a million dollars in your bank account the next morning. I believe the vision or dream that John had a true, it was true and as real as it was, but it's about the closest we'll ever get for a description of the physical appearance of the face of God without perishing. Think about this. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. We've talked about that. You've looked at the sun before. How could he look into his face and see the details of his body? Well, maybe possibly some general aspects, but seeing his hair as white and the details of his eyes as a flame of fire. Surely this was not a normal human sight but something supernatural given to him. So what did it mean when Joshua said he saw God face to face? He saw God through a lens, a filter, the flesh of a man that he was wrestling with. What he did experience was a personal contact with God that changed his whole life. You know, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you had the experience of seeing God in the sense that Joshua did, meaning that you met God in a personal way. He spoke to you, and you spoke to Him. Not in an audible way, but in a spiritual sense, clearly communicating to your heart. If you are saved, there was a time when God, through His Holy Spirit, spoke directly to you to trust Him as your Lord and Savior, and you spoke to Him and received Him as your Lord and Savior. At that point, the Holy Spirit came and took up residence in you, and it becomes a never-ending personal relationship with you and God through His Spirit. Now, the Bible tells us that God is revealed to all His creation. In Romans 1.20, we've been there not too long ago, for the invisible things of, of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. All people, whether they willfully ignore it or not, know God at least in an impersonal way. In the Christmas story, there were many who saw Jesus, but never saw Him as Emmanuel, Christ with us. For instance, there was... Plenty of passerbyers when Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem. It was crowded. <laughs> there was the innkeeper who no doubt knew Mary was having a baby. Uh, you usually can recognize that, you know, when she's nine months. But if he knew she was carrying his Savior, maybe he would have given up his own bed to them. Anyone in the town maybe would have given up their room for them. Jesus came right by without people realizing who he was. But not all. There were some who did see him for who he was. Within this group of characters who recognized Jesus as the Son of God at his birth and later as a young child reveal some glaring characteristic traits 
that we need to take note of. The message today is entitled, The Character of the Characters of Christmas. Let's pray. Father, may we set everything aside today. You could come today and take us out of here. I pray that this Christmas Eve and this Christmas, we would just settle down and breathe in the wonder of Christ in our lives. But Father, it's easy to miss. It's easy for people to miss a Savior who came to save them. It's easy for, for us as Christians who get caught up in the world and the things and miss what you have for us. I pray today that we would see you like we need to see you. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're going to look at the group of people God chose to identify Christ at his birth. Each one with a unique standout characteristic in their life that will present a challenge for us to follow in our life. If we are to truly magnify the Lord in our life and the life of others. I want to first look at Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. And it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in, in her is of the Holy Ghost. It says here, Joseph was a just man. Joseph was a good man that knew God. We will find this commonplace among these Christmas characters that we're going to talk about for the most part. But Joseph had a certain characteristic that seemed to be glaring in this story. For what Joseph knew as the truth at that point in time, you think about it, before the angel spoke to him, it would seem that he would have been hurt, perhaps jealously mad. But even before he met the angel, he displayed an, an amazing character quality. Mercy. Mercy. This is before he knew. This is what his character was. This is what came out. Joseph did not want her to be a public example. He thought to put her away privily. Character is more often verified at times of trouble and testing. Joseph passed a very... Hard test. He had a conquering love of mercy like his Savior. Another thing that stood out with me is that Joseph was the spiritual leader of his family. He was instructed by God through the angel to take Mary as his wife, and he did. <clears throat> In verse 24, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not. So she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He 
also demonstrated fleshly restraint in this area of marriage. There were several other times he was given instruction from God and he led his family accordingly. He led his family to Bethlehem to be taxed, we find. Then again, at the bidding of the angel of God, he led his family to Egypt. Then being led again by God, he went back to the land of Israel. He took his family there. And then again, by God's leadership, he fulfilled the scripture by taking his family to Galilee. He was the one who was leading his family. Joseph was just, merciful, exercised fleshly restraint, and he led his family spiritually. What about you, dads? Do you hear God's voice of direction? How are you leading your family? Do you restrain your flesh when tempted? Do you have a merciful and forgiving heart, or does it struggle with bitterness, envy, jealousy, jealousy, and vengeance? Now, let's turn to the wise men who followed the star. <laughs> and I'm not going to even have to go there. I was going to look at a portion of Scripture in the Old Testament, but Mike covered this pretty, pretty well. I was going to go to, to look at Balaam, <laughs> the son of Beor, and how just a little brief mention here in Scripture, and how little maybe these wise men had to go on. But I wrote in here, I don't have time to talk about this mysterious character of Balaam, and he is, it is really interesting to look at. I, I really don't know how to think about him and who he was, but he, he did. He was, he was from the West. He went over toward the Babylon. All the things that Mike was talking about, we could bring out. But I want to bring up that this relatively short prophecy would be little to go from for predicting the birth of the Jews and the Messiah, but we do see in Daniel where that is as well. But it would seem that these wise men dedicated their lives to the knowledge of the stars and took this prophecy of God to heart and looked for it. I didn't talk to Mike about what he was going to talk about today. Some of the same exact things. Matthew 2, 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Here is the character point that I want us to gain from this. These wise men gave their lives to the belief and the study of prophecy. Their lives were lived looking for it. It said, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Neither did these wise men spare expenses or burden of travel to see the Christ child and to worship him. The kings were well studied. Their life took every word of God seriously. They were looking for God, spared no expense to follow what they believed. What about you? Do you hunger and thirst to know more about God's word? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The wise men searched diligently for Jesus, and they found him. Their hunger was satisfied, and their thirst was quenched when they found him. 
John 6, 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Are you living a life focused on the return of Christ? Just like the wise men. Are we living a life looking for that? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now I want to look at Zacharias and Elizabeth. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. What we learn from these two is that they were righteous before God, like some of the others we see, they were saved. They were not, it wasn't religious service that they had, like the Jewish religion had, but true service of heart to God. They faithfully served God all the days, even in the face of not being able to have children. Their faithfulness resulted in God blessing them with a child known as John the Baptist. Now, I don't know, maybe I should know. I don't know if they would have been alive when they seen his head. John Baptist. But I'll tell you what about these. I think you would have found them still serving God. Do you have a vision of faithfulness in your future? I find it hard to find older people now, I have found some that I say, I hope I want to be like that person when I get old. Zachariah and Elizabeth gave us that. Now we come to Mary. And in the sixth month, verse 26, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. What can we gain from Mary's character? I think a lot of embellishment goes along in these days and religions about it, but she was morally pure. Her body was not her own. It was available for the purpose of God. Are you morally pure? Is your body prepared for the exclusive use of God? Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now I want to turn to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now these are the, the ones that really saw Jesus for who they were. 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And they came with haste, found Mary, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now here's the character trait that stands out to me with the shepherds. Verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They made abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. They were strong witnesses. They got that word out. They went out and took this word. And the shepherds, it says in verse 20, returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Do we praise God openly? Or is he hidden in our lives? What about you? Are you a strong witness? Do you praise God openly? Now we're going to shift to our final pair of characters and their character at Christmas. First being Simeon. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. <laughs> and I just kind of would chuckle what the Jews might have said when he said this, a light to lighten the Gentiles. <laughs> that wouldn't have been a popular phrase to the religious there. And the glory of thy people Israel. Now, in all these characters, they are scribed as righteous, saved, but with Simeon something stands out to me. A promise from God. God said he would see Christ. He stood on the promises of God. He believed to see the promise fulfilled. He lived a life of anticipation. There are things we look forward to in life to do. Perhaps it's a vacation, a ball game, a hunting or fishing trip. Perhaps it's a family gathering. Perhaps the biggest of family gathering is at Christmas time when we share family food and gifts together. Or the biggie of biggies is a wedding date. If you think about it much, that single day that we so much look forward to is preceded by days, weeks, maybe months of anticipation for it. It is that anticipation that brings hope and life and excitement. Sometimes there's more about looking forward to something than actually when we get there and go through it because it passes so quickly. Simeon gives us the character of anticipation, living a life of anticipation. And last but not least, we should look at the character of Anna, the prophetess. Verse 36, and there was one Anna a prophetess, <clears throat> the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser, she was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. 
And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. In 1 Timothy 5, 9, it says, Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. This Anna was not the norm. <laughs> she kept her first faith and took it to a greater level and capacity, giving up the benefits, which were fine, of having another husband and, and perhaps children. But she gave that up to a life dedicated to the service of God in the house of God, Spending every day and night in prayers and fasting. Now, my guess is if you think you've gotten this far, which you probably haven't, of, of, of really having the kind of character we need to have, when we get to that fasting part <laughs> and praying every day, we've probably come up short. You know, if you think about it through this Christmas story, there's only a handful of people that saw the baby Jesus as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Even after the shepherds went and spread the glad tidings, and the wise men made such a scene that troubled Herod and all of Jerusalem, there seems to be little fanfare over the child. Later, at the age of 12, he appears to be a very bright child of Joseph and Mary. He's in with the doctors, learning things. He was lost for a couple of days. It says they went a day's journey, so I assume it took a day to get back. A couple of days. Oh, man, that's embarrassing as a parent. Done it, but not for days. <laughs> he says to Mary and Joseph, Joseph, his mother and father, how is it that you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? But the Bible says they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Even when he was older, it was John the Baptist, his cousin, who would get the spotlight until John introduces him as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Even then, there would be just a handful of disciples that would leave all to follow him. And when he came to his own hometown working great miracles, they said of him, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. John 7, 5 says, For neither did his brethren believe in him. Jesus, the risen Savior, seated at the right hand of God, validated by many infallible proofs through the witnesses of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scripture, still walks in ambiguity in the hearts of many in the world today. Some need to receive him for the very first time. 
while others of us need to be concerned that we have let his presence grow dim in our life. In the Christmas story, we see the characteristics of the characters who saw Jesus for who he really was in the midst of a very blind world. First, we saw the prerequisite of being saved, righteousness before God, living good, honorable lives, and all the characters. Didn't really talk about the shepherds too much there. And I'll just make a comment. When the kings went into the house and saw where Marion didn't mention Joseph, I'll just say that Joseph was out. He had a job or now we'll start working. I don't know, but could be. He isn't very quickly mentioned after that because he had to lead his family out of there. The angel spoke to him. But then we see the specifics of these characters. Joseph, a man of mercy, a man of fleshly restraint, a man who would be the spiritual leader of his family. We find next to his side his wife Mary, marked by purity, a body prepared for the use of God, a virtuous woman. We see wise men representing those who would dedicate their life in studying God's word to know him, the better and understand and spend their life looking for him, being ready for his coming. We see the shepherds, the outward manifestation of the joy of Christ within us to go tell and openly praise God to a needy world. We see Zacharias and Elizabeth, models of consistent faithful living in the midst of disappointments into their old age. A living example to the next generation. We see Simeon, a life lived in surety of God's promises, believing and living in the anticipation and excitement of seeing his Savior. Then we see Anna, a woman who at a young age became a widow. But rather than seek another husband and bear children, which is good, desirable, and honorable, chose a life of greater dedication. She represented the character of the love of the house of God and dedication to fasting and prayer all her life. These are the characters of Christmas whose character leads to what John states as the fullness of joy in Christ. I want you to turn to 1 John 1, 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to end the message reading this portion of Scripture. 1 John 1, 1. So that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. You can, you can put your name there. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. With heads bowed and eyes closed, pianists come into play. What a thought. What an amazing thing how few people recognized 
What's interesting is all the character that these people, the different character that is displayed through these people. Character that we need modeled in our life. First of all, are you saved? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you had that time when God spoke to you? You knew it was Him. And He knew it was you. And you trusted Him wholly and completely as your Lord and Savior. Are you like Joseph? Merciful, forgiving. Do you actively restrain your flesh? Are you morally pure in body and spirit? Are you in love with the Scriptures, looking for Jesus coming, just wanting to understand more what God has to say? Are you publishing God's Word and living in open praise to God? Are you committed to be an example of faith to the next generation? And let me tell you, if you had a mom or dad who did that, you owe it. You owe it to them to continue that. Do you live with excitement and anticipation of the joys of heaven that are ahead? Are you dedicated to the church and to the power of prayer and fasting? Where are you at today? Man, this world will take you and suck you up and spit you out. You want the joy of the Lord? You want to see Him and handle Him and love Him? Amen. Thank you all for coming. Uh, tonight we're gonna we'll have service tonight, and it'll be a little bit different kind of service. We're just gonna enjoy each other's company. We'll read the Christmas story. We have some things that we're gonna do, and uh, so just to have a good time together as a church family. So uh, try to be back here tonight. Um, and let's pray, Father. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. And uh, may we keep him in the center of our life.